This is a Drive to Succeed podcast where we feature inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, influencers, and seasoned professionals to help you jumpstart your career and your entrepreneurial journey. Welcome back to the Drive to Succeed podcast. My name is Daniel, the host of this show. By the way, if it's your first time tuning in today, I just wanted to acknowledge you for investing your time with me and I'll do my best in my power to make it valuable to you as much as possible. As you already know, the universal law of the more you put in, the more you're going to put out. So I would recommend if there is a part of this episode that resonated with you, might be a phrase, might be a quote or a takeaway, write them down in a piece of paper or save it in your mobile device so you can review and relearn and extract as much value as you can. Today's episode 13. Meet Fadel Hindi, the CEO of the Kafale Marat, who has over three decades of proven track record driving business transformation programs from inception to success. He's also been the Chief Operating Officer and Chief Innovation Officer of Dubai Electricity and Water Authority Innovation Division, with a total workforce of 1,200 staff administering digital strategy development. Upon taking over the role of CEO last January 2018, You'll be learning how Fadi leads the digital transformation of the Kafale Marat and how he builds, with the help of his management team, a company culture that is putting the customer at the center and empowering its people, making the Kafale Marat as one of the most disruptive companies in the region by Apple and the best places to work for in 2019. Fadi also shared his insights about the common misconceptions in the insurance industry and learned the reason why the first thing he did upon joining is to enable the comments section in their social media platforms. And most importantly, take a glimpse in the life of Fadi Al-Hindi, a family man who has an interesting hobby for photography and design and a wide collection of music. And in this episode, he also shared this defining moment of his life, an important lesson he gleaned from his early days in university from taking on different challenges on a variety of roles in the period of his career. So without further ado, Let's welcome the one and only Fali Al-Hindi. Welcome back to the Drive to Succeed podcast. We have Fadi Al-Hindi on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for the invitation for having me on your show. So for our first-time listeners who doesn't know you, um, who is Fadi Al-Hindi? Okay. (laughs) So I guess just to uh, uh, start out with uh, on the professional side, um, I'm the chief executive officer for Takaful Imarat. Uh, Takaful Imarat is a Sharia-compliant insurance company, meaning that uh, we offer insurance products for life and medical insurance uh, based on the Sharia law. Uh, but we sell insurance to everybody, so let me know if you and your c- crew are not insured. There's a few policies we could definitely float your way. <laughs> um, but uh, so I've come from uh, my career uh, that has led me to this point has been, you know, a myriad of uh, jobs. Uh, but this has been uh, my, my most recent job, obviously, as of uh, January 2018 is when I took over the reins of uh, the Kafali Marat. Now, as far as who am I personally, um, I am, um, you'd, you'd, I know we were chatting earlier, you'd mentioned I'm a family man. So I am uh, married with uh, three children, I have three children, and obviously a more extended family 
uh, both here in uh, Dubai as well as in the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, on, a, on a personal level, that's definitely, um, you know, defines uh, who I've become as a person over the years and what I do on a day-to-day -day basis uh, to make sure that we provide uh, for, uh, for these members that, that depend on Fadi Al-Hindi. And I wanted to understand, what is your background? You mentioned you, you recently joined uh, last year, January 2018. Correct. I believe you were in Devo and Smart uh, Future Foundation. Yep. So I've, uh, I've been in the UAE since 2004. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up and I was raised in the United States, actually. I'm an American. Mm -hmm. um, so I was with Accenture, uh, consult Accenture uh, Anderson Consulting back in the early 90s, uh, which also became uh, Accenture, and then also joined another company called Clarkson Consulting. Uh, so the majority of my career in the United States has been around management consulting and business and technology and that type of thing. But I come from a very deep technical background. So I've uh, majored in computer engineering and minored in artificial intelligence and uh, robotics. And yes, I know you might not think that it was around back in the 80s, but it was. Um, and uh, that was uh, what, I, what I covered in my university, uh, North Carolina State University. So when we came to the U.S., uh, sorry, when we came to, the, to, to, to Dubai, to the UAE, it was an opportunity to be, the, uh, to be a consultant and the acting chief information officer for uh, Dubai Smart Government back in 2004. So uh, it was during a transition uh, period in, in my life where I was trying to you know, kind of find the next, uh, the next move. So I moved to uh, move it and took that role. My wife is a UAE national, obviously, which ties us very closely to, to this country and uh, provides us roots in, in Dubai uh, and the UAE. Um, and we kind of jumped on the opportunity because it was uh, a very good uh, opportunity with a lot of potential and a lot of challenges. So since then, I've taken a tour of duty in uh, several companies. Um, I'd be more than happy to talk about them, but uh, I think the, 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 I'll talk about the two, the, the one that I was at right before this one, which was the uh, Chief Operating Officer uh, for Dubai Electricity and Water Authority for the Innovation uh, Division, Innovation in the Future Division. Uh, it was about 1,200 employees, and uh, my responsibilities there were more on the finance and administration and strategy and logistics and, um, you know, things around, around that for the innovation and the future for DIWA. Understood. And most of the industry that you are in are, not, you can say, really um, the old uh, business, as you can say? Uh, let's see. Um, I've, I think um, at a last count, I'm, I probably worked for about 100 clients in the U.S., mm -hmm. give or take. Um, and I've covered so many industries, so uh, banking, uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, healthcare, um, you know, hospitals and things like that, yeah. uh, consumer goods, um, and then now government, uh, insurance. insurance. Um, so I've, the, the, based on the, the, the let's say, the, the period in my career, it's either an old industry, well-established, or a very bleeding-edge industry. Mm -hmm. So, for example, during the 1999.net.com um, boom, uh, I was traveling to San Francisco on a weekly basis uh, for about a period of one year, uh, working with startups, advising them on how to uh, you know, structure their technology, how to structure their companies, 
to be able to set up for these marketplaces that were coming out, uh, pets.com and, you know, all of that. I mean, I was going up and down the San Francisco um, uh, 101 highway between San Francisco and Sunnyvale and Palo Alto. Um, so that was bleeding edge, right? And of course, we had the big bubble and then it blew up and everything. But um, more, in, when we talk about the UAA specifically, I've, I would say probably I've, I've been uh, in a lot of the organizations that are more traditional, uh, more founded in, uh, you know, more founded in legacy than, than bleeding edge tech kind yeah. of thing. And because um, insurance is one of the oldest industry, yeah. <laughs> as you can say, but I, I can see the CAFL is totally different from Correct. other insurance uh, companies, which makes me interested that the reason why I'm here to. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what made first the, the insurance? I mean, what made you shift into insurance? So I've had a, uh, a good relationship with the managing director of, of the company. And we had several conversations about this digital transformation for the company. And he had a vision of uh, making Takaful Imarat a technology company that sells insurance. That's his favorite uh, kind of tagline. So um, I've, I've helped him while I was at, uh, at Diwa. I've helped him a few times with some strategies and things that he could do to kind of realize that vision. And then at one point, I think in his mind, there was just kind of like, he just went over the cliff, as they say, and he just said, all right, that's it. If we really want to make this happen, you need to come here and you need to lead this transformation. Because it was really, uh, and you can see from our environment here, uh, it is a complete you know, overhaul and reboot for uh, an insurance, like an insur a company that's founded in insurance. Even though Takafu Limarat is not a very old company, it's been around since 2008, so it's about, you know, 11 year, roughly 11 years old, but still the legacy and the roots come from insurance, which is an industry that has been doing the same thing for God knows how long, you know? And most of the people have a polarizing views about insurance yeah. and what are the common misconceptions about, you know, the insurance industry, as you can say? Um, I, th I think, uh, you know, typically people don't like to deal with their insurer. You know, it's like at an arm's length. And um, so there's a couple reasons for that. I think the first one is the, just the, this, you know, the, you know I'm going to have to call and just be on hold for a while or go into a customer center and sit and wait for someone to come help you. Um, so generally that feeling of uh, despair that I just don't want to deal with this company um, is, is, is one of the reasons why people don't like to deal with the insurance company. And the second reason is that typically they interact with the insurance company either to buy or renew a policy or God forbid to file a claim. Yes. But outside of that, nobody thinks of insurance as um, as a, like a, something that is on it, that you can use on a day-to-day -day basis, or something that's hip, or you know something that's actually helping you influence your life, mm -hmm. uh, that's not the case. So our view is completely different. It's not just about digital transformation for the sake of it, but what we're actually trying to do is we're trying to build an insurance company that's going to uh, build products and services for Generation X, mm -hmm. and also be uh, the one that is going to be right there for the millennials and the centennials mm -hmm. uh, because of the way that we're structuring our products and services. By age, we would be able to alter the customer experience uh, to fit to what you want. So based on, if you're interested to come to a customer care center, you can start the transaction 
online, and then you can continue downstairs in our customer care center. If you don't want to see anybody or talk to anybody, you can chat with our uh, chatbot, our mm. Tebow, our AI, and they'll walk you through the whole buying journey. You don't even have to talk to anybody. So it's really, we're trying, so that's the, that's the type of company that, we're, that we've started building and we're continuing to evolve. Understood. So it's more about integrating the new technology with an old industry and revamping it. It's about um, it's about kind of blowing up all the all the misconceptions or ideas about what insurance is like, mm -hmm. and bringing something completely fresh mm -hmm. that people would say, "I can't believe this is an insurance company," which is typically the reaction that we get when people come to our offices or buy our products, and they say, "That's it? How come?" Why? Who's gonna? Why do I need to call somebody? Do I, you yeah. know? So yeah. that's that's the, and to us that's good because to me that's when we've succeeded when people, all of a sudden, have a complete change of mindset to say, my God, this was easy, and this is exactly what we're trying to, um, have the experience be all about. In addition, uh, our vision for insurance is to actually make it uh, something that you use on a daily basis. So. Um, it's something that's available to you on an app or a website um, where we become more of a proactive uh, participant in your life than a reactive. What does that mean? On the health side, I would rather push you and nudge you towards healthy habits mm -hmm. than wait for you to file a claim because you're in the hospital. So it's a complete change uh, of the mind and it's actually something that's, a, that's more socially responsible because uh, it's taking society into, uh, into consideration and trying to think of how can we really change and influence the mindset of people and their behavior to be, to be living better versus I'm just gonna sit, take your money, I'm just gonna sit and wait until something happens to you and then you call me. Um, we, we want to completely revamp that. So you're creating like, content behind it to, of course, to make sure? Of course, so we've, um, We've been, uh, we've been selected by Apple, actually, as one of the most disruptive companies in the, in the, in the region. Mm -hmm. um, and we've been to Cupertino, and we've met with their executives, and we meet with their executives here regularly because they love what we're doing, because we're, you know, we're, we're, centered, uh, we're centered in design um, and design thinking and bringing, uh, even though it's a product or a service, it still can be done in a you know, very nice and good way. So um, a lot of the things that we're working on are about uh, how can we bring these, these products in a different, differentiated way to the, to the customer and becoming proactive. So the, there are new products that we're bringing about and they're currently under regulatory review that don't currently even exist in the UAE market. It's things that uh, are, have been out in the West and some things that we've even invented ourselves and we're working with the regulators to bring out so all of a sudden, the, um, the consumer is going to be surprised as to how come, you know, how come an insurer is offering me this? You know, I can insure this bottle of water, or I can get insurance for one day, um, and you can buy it. Uh, our, our slogan is tap, tap, done. So if, as long as you're a customer uh, and we have your profile, and you select something to insure, we'll present you with the price, you accept it, we, issue, we build your credit card and we send you the e-policy directly to your email. We're, we're not there, you know, but yeah. we're there with medical insurance, but we're not there with the, with the new products mm -hmm. um, that we want to bring to the so market. So it's uh, simplifying the process and Absolutely. making sure the customer is at the center. Yeah. And understood. 
And what are customer touch points and how do you map your customer journey into Capo? Yeah, we have a we have a fairly you know structured methodology for how we go about it. But um, back to the previous point, when we're talking about design. Uh, you know, we're we're centered in design and design thinking. Um, at, at the at kind of like at the heart of everything that we do is really the customer and um, the whole customer journey and mapping from an outside-in perspective, understanding how our customers come in touch. Uh, with our products and services and our people and mapping that entire journey. And there's a set of steps. So we go through things like empathy mapping. We go through like persona identification. Uh, we go through the actual journey. And then at every touch point, uh, we start looking at uh, what, what is the emotional state of this, of this customer based on, uh, based on their personas, uh, if they're male, female, older, younger. And then at that particular touch point, what should we do uh, for this persona versus that persona? What should, what should the digital layer do? What should the customer care center do? What should the customer service center do? And it's down to that level of detail. And then this whole thing, I know it's very tedious, but yes. that's the whole point, right? Yeah. If you really want to build a great customer journey, you have to go through that pain. Otherwise, you're going to be just like everybody else. And the whole point uh, is to look at every one of these touch points and see how can we improve it, mm -hmm. make it much better, and move the emotional state of the customer upwards, move them to the next step, or how can we just eliminate it, yeah. completely remove it, so that there is no friction at that particular point, and the customer is shot straight through to the next step. Um, and I mean, I, I have it here, and I can show it to yes. you after the, you know, the, the, the recording of the podcast. Um, we use that for... Uh, our products, and uh, it really has been an amazing uh, transformation for the people that buy our basic health product and our comprehensive product. Something that used to take four to five days, whatever, like two to three days for a basic product now is done in five minutes, completely online. You don't have to talk to anybody, and the policy comes by email. And things that used to take five to seven days for the comprehensive are yes. done in about eight or ten minutes with a credit card, Emirates ID you're done and this thing can be issued into your inbox. Now that we've been talking about, you know, Takafo for 15 minutes, I'm really amazed on <laughs> what's the right. structure look like and, you know, it, it matches with the, with the office and the business you're building. Um, I'm really interested and curious as well, what does Fadi look like in private? Because I know you're a very public person. I see you speak a lot in stages and of course one of these strategies too push the, the capital message out, but sure. you know, when, when people are, when you are not in the public eye, you know, well. That's a good question. So I think that I was telling you that's one of the, good, one of the questions that I'm going to have to figure out on the spot. Um, in, in, I'm actually more uh, private, uh, more of a private person than, than, than you, would, you would expect. A lot of the public speaking and uh, social media that we've been doing has been about uh, really giving credit to the Takaful team for all the great work that they've done. Mm -hmm. We need to carry the message that we really have, got, we have uh, done the heavy lifting of doing a complete cultural transformation, putting the customer at the center, and really empowering our people and giving them uh, one of the best places to work for in the UAE. Because my, um, and this is something I learned from one of my heroes, Tom Peters, you got to serve the people that serve your customer. So it's true that we talk about the customer experience and the journey and the simplification, but if the people behind it 
are actually not you know, quite there, um, then it's of no use. So to, to, to your question, um, it's, I, I felt that it's kind of my responsibility to make sure that we get, out, get the word out about all these great things that the Kafir Emirat has done uh, to give credit to the team and everything that's, and, and give credit to this company because these guys have really been through the ringer. You know, I've put them on a major roller coaster ride. But in private, um, I think for the majority of my life, probably since I was, you know, 16 or 17, it's really been about uh, about work. I mean, I'm very um, you know very dedicated person. Um, there's there's a lot of I hate to use the word workaholic, but you know I've been called that many times. Um, so there's uh, my private life ends up being quite a bit about work as well, uh, be it uh, you know dealing with some of the issues that are transpiring or preparing for the next phase. Um, and because I was kind of self-reliant uh, since I was very young. Um, didn't really leave a lot of room for recreational activities, you know. But you were a photographer like once, yes? Uh, still am. Oh, okay. I still am. It's one of my hobbies, yeah. And how did you balance out? Obviously, you're a very you know, busy person. Yeah. Do you still have time to pursue your photography? Yeah, I think um, it, there's, there, there are several hobbies that I have. Um, and I think throughout the years, I would like, for some reason, just obsess about one particular topic or hobby, and I would just like nail it down to perfection, right? To just be able to completely figure it out. And, and it's like not something that's done over one or two weeks. I take one, one or two years until you know, I completely uh, <laughs> kind of get a handle <laughs> on it. So um, like earlier in my career, seven or eight years ago, I, I had a bit more time mm -hmm. than probably than I do now. You know, now with work and family and kids and everything else that's going on, your time is really limited. Uh, but uh, the hobbies are still there. So uh, photography, uh, carpentry. Um, I have a small workshop at home. I can make furniture and things like that. And uh, uh, music, uh, like analog music, believe it or not. Uh, oh, so what like, kind of music is that? Uh, Guitar? Or? No, no, uh, all kinds of music, you know. Uh, be it uh, uh, um, what do you call it? big uh, big band, swing, uh, classical, uh, you name it. You know, it's just electronic across the board. Uh, dire Straits, uh, Daft Punk, whatever. You know, yeah. uh, but analog as in like vinyl records. Oh, vinyl. Okay. You know, vinyl records and vacuum tubes. And a good friend of mine got me into it, and I just got completely enamored with the with with the hobby, and I wanted to figure out the whole thing. So to answer your question, uh, the, the best thing about these hobbies, when you can find the time, is that they really give you a release from the pressures and the stresses of life, of life and, and work uh, that you're going through. And uh, photography to me was, was really, uh, probably is, still remains the most interesting one uh, because of uh, what they call like your mind's eye you would, you know, you would see a particular scene and you would put it in the frame. And as a photographer, you're constantly saying, what angle should I get, you know, this shot? And under what, and I know you guys with this program, I'm sure you, you know, <laughs> deal with these things all the time. Yeah. And at what time, what time of the day? Should it be at the, in the morning hours? Should it be during the golden hour? What, what frame, you know, what settings should I use for the aperture and the time value? So, so all of these things, uh, 
just completely take you away from your day-to-day, -day, you know, kind of uh, troubles and make you think about something different and um, get you to think in a very creative way that is not necessarily logical or rational. It's more about appreciating the beauty of what you're putting in that frame. Mm -hmm. And speaking of frames and beauty and design, are you involved in uh, modeling this, this office? Yeah, or? yeah. So the, the drive for this open office space, the colors, um, the type of wood that we put in, that we put down, the type of tiles, uh, it's, I was involved. Perfect. Yeah. And just to understand really, uh, obviously you've been in, in career probably uh, two decades, I can say. 30 years, yeah. Yeah, 30 years. Um, what is the worst uh, failure that you encounter? Um, there were, I mean, there were many failures, but actually I think, I've been thinking about this question for a while. I believe the, 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 the biggest failure for me goes back to uh, university days or college days, mm -hmm. is that there was one point where I was struggling like my whole passion was uh, integrated circuits and computers and robots and all of this. And that's, you know, I, I grew up knowing that this is what I wanted to do. And I just could, there's one course, I just couldn't crack it. I just couldn't understand, I couldn't get the, the, the you know, be able to fit the pieces together or work it out in my brain. And it was so frustrating. And it was, so the first, the first half of the term, I almost nearly failed the class. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was really a turning point in my life because I think that modeled, uh, when I came out of that, uh, I took spring break and I said, all right, it's one of two things, do or die, right? You're gonna have to sit here and you're gonna have to figure this out. You either figure this out or just give up, just go do whatever job you want, go be a, a bum on the beach or you know, wash cars, there's nothing wrong with washing cars, yes, but I'm just saying, you know, just quit this, um, you know, this uh, uh, computer and robotics, etc. And alhamdulillah, some shape or form, it finally clicked, and it clicked in a big way. So, um, so the, to me, that was the kind of like a defining moment in my life, because it was, it's one of those things that say, I'm either going to give up and go yes. home, yeah. or I'm just going to take off. And then there's been so many failures, so many similar situations that I've been in. And alhamdulillah, they've applied, I've applied the same kind of approach because I've been through that. Mm -hmm. um, when things look the bleakest and the darkest and the worst, and you're at the bottom, you know, of, you know, as I say, you're at the bottom of the valley looking up, you know, and you just said, all right, I'm either going to just sit here and die or I'm going to actually do something about it. And there have been many. Uh, many, many situations like that uh, throughout my career that have, uh, I believe, was the reason that I've been able to reach uh, to where I am today. Understood. Uh, so my last, before my last and final question, I wanted to ask where can people find you and know more yeah. about Takaful Imagat? So we are, uh, we are on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, they can just search for Takaful Imarat. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Fadi Hindi, um, and I'm on Instagram at FJ Hindi. So these are all of the social media outlets uh, that they can find. So also Twitter at FJ Hindi. And we're, um, our story is out there mm -hmm. because what we're, um, and, and we mean this honestly, we're, yes. we're hoping to inspire other organizations 
to do what we've done. And we're being vocal about it because we think that um, if we can start bringing about a change in the mindset of saying, all right, we can, we should give our employees and our team members uh, an open office environment. We should remove the punch in and punch out. We should trust our people. We should train our people. We should grow their skills. We're hoping that we'll be able to inspire other organizations to do the same and that we can move the needle on um, this kind of traditional and classical way of working under fear and constant pressure. Uh, not that we don't have pressure here, yes, we have a lot of pressure yeah, here, course. but people feel ownership in what they're doing. And I'm really just curious, I know this is, um, diff uh, how do you say this? I, I have this phrase in my mind, because yeah. I've seen this one movie that insurance companies are not in the business of helping people, mm. but making money. What, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, we've, uh, I would be lying if I said we're not in the business of making money. Yes. But we want a win-win situation. We want to have a great experience for um, our customers. And at the same time, we want to make sure that we're turning a profit. And my job as a CEO and my management team is to figure out how can we tweak and tune the machine to be able to get both. Um, but I'll give you an example about how serious we are about this. When I took over, we had comments uh, on our social media outlets disabled. One of the first things that I did was say, open up all the comments, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, and uh, let the flood of complaints come in. Mm -hmm. Because how else are we going to know what's the voice of the customer? And boy, did the complaints come in. And we basically formed a team and we said, all right, we're going to take every one of those comments and start dealing with them. And those comments ultimately ended up making changes internally to the way that we do things. They made changes to the network of providers that we follow. We went to the providers, we went to the uh, third party administrators that manage a lot, and we said, listen, our customers don't like one, two, three, and four. If you guys want our business and continue to work with you, you're gonna have to make these changes. We put a lot of pressure on them. And slowly over time, things started changing. So in practice, you can see that we are after making sure that our customers are happy. And, um, and if you look at the complaints, I think from 2017, we had, um, I can't remember, over, over 800 complaints or something like that. And then by the end of 2018, that number dropped by like 370%, and so it was down to like 260, 280. So that's proof in numbers, right? Yes. Um, so if people come challenge that, uh, okay, what have you been able, what did you gain? What was the business, what was the out business outcome of all of this? And my response to that is that my customers are happier, my people are happier, my profits increased and revenues increased, even though we had a tough economic conditions and a lot of the other insurance companies saw a contraction. These all point to the fact that this is the right way to you know, build a business. business. All right, thank you so much. Sure thing. <laughs> and, and also, uh, my last and final question, um, if everything is stripped away from you, your, yeah. you know, uh, your status, your wealth, everything, it can be personal um, as well, what would be your main drive to succeed? Uh, this could be contextual also, like, uh, you know, okay, at what age exactly are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> are we talking about my 20s? Are we talking about my 30s? No, I, I believe that the, the drive to succeed for me has always been uh, making sure that my family is taken care of. So both my, my immediate family, my wife and kids, and then, as, and then I have an extended family that I take 
care of brothers and mother and that type of thing. So ultimately, that's going to continue to be the drive for making sure that um, that that I'm going to be able to be a provider because there's some they, they depend on uh, you know they depend on me to be able to to, to assist with their you know uh, daily living and so on and so forth. So that that definitely would be it. So that's it for today. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you very much for uh, the podcast, for having me on your show. See you in the next episode. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening in this episode. And if there's one thing that you learned from this episode, I hope and challenge that you apply it in your life. Because that's the reason why this podcast exists, is to add value in other people's lives, to make an impact and serve more people too. Like Fadi, you and I have a purpose. There's a reason why you and I are put into this earth. There's a reason why you and I encounter trials, pain, and suffering. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know where you're listening into. I don't know what kind of circumstances you are in. I don't know if you've been brought up in a dysfunctional family or you're born with a disability or you've been told your whole life you're not good enough, you're not great enough. But despite all the negative circumstances, upbringing, and problems and rocks being thrown at us, Here's what I know. You and I live more stronger, live fierce than ever. So my question to you is this. Would you deprive people of your story? Would you keep the life lessons you've learned throughout this journey? Or would you continue to fight for all those people you know who can stand up for themselves? Would you use your own voice, your story, your life testimony, and use it for the benefit of many? If you're someone who has a powerful story to tell, that will make a huge impact into the world and yet don't know how, or simply would like to find and develop your own voice, whether you want to increase your influence online or offline, or would like to start your own podcast, or get a job promotion by the use of positive storytelling and provide value to the world, I want you to go to my website, which is www.thedrivetosucceed.com. Just enter your first name and email address and I'll take care of the rest. Or simply DM me on Instagram at the Drive to Succeed underscore podcast or my personal account, Daniel underscore Francisco underscore, and I'll revert back to you as fast as I can. Thanks again for joining us at the Drive to Succeed podcast. If you're enjoying learning from this podcast, you can show your support by sharing and rating this on iTunes or Stitcher and sharing it with your friends on social media and tag us on Instagram at the Drive to Succeed underscore podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. See you in the next episode.